John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Remain standing. Look in John chapter number 4. Isn't it good to be saved? Man, I'm telling you, it's good to be saved. It's good to know the Lord as our Savior. It is great to be saved. And it's even better to know the devil can't do a thing about it. That's, that's, even, that's even better. We're going we're gonna, to, uh, we didn't finish last week. Uh, we, we missed the last point. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I, I've put together a little bit of extracurricular stuff before we get to the outline. Maybe, oh, hopefully we'll get to the outline, the new one. Uh, if you need an outline, if you need an outline, raise your hand. Does anybody need an outline? All right, all right. Where, Johnny, where, where are you going, Johnny? You, I mean, you're like behind schedule. Come on, here we go, here we go. To your left, to your left, there we go. All right, raise your hand over here. Anybody need an outline over here? The worm is coming, amen. Up up top. See, see now Dave got his section in, in line. They're all good. You see, that, you see how that works, Johnny? You paying attention? I'm going to have to send you to Dave's school. <clears throat> All right, so everybody got your outline. Now, hopefully, we're going to get to that tonight. <clears throat> have faith, people. Have faith. Amen. I mean, just no confidence whatsoever. I just got some extra stuff, from, and, and you can just write it down on the outside or on the up opposite side of, of one of the blank pages there. Uh, we're going to try to fill in the blank. We kind of started at the beginning of the chapter and, and, and dug in and dealt with the beginning of the chapter. And really, this outline goes to about the third part of the chapter. But there's a little bit in the middle uh, that I really didn't have an outline for. Uh, I probably should have wrote an outline for, but I, I don't want you to miss that. Because it's basically the way Jesus does his personal soul winning and her response and what the response of a converted person is. And, uh, and that's really good stuff. So we're, I, I didn't want you all to miss that before we get to the outline. So if we get to it, we get to it. If we don't, there's always next week. Amen? Amen. John 4. John 4 and verse number 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made him baptize more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Last week we learned there was, there was two other routes he could have went, but the Holy Spirit led him this way. And I'm glad he knows where sinners are. Say amen. How many of y'all are glad that he knew where you were when the, the day he found you? He must needs go through Samaria. He didn't care about the, the culture. He didn't care about the stigma. He didn't care about the, the outcast and the animosity between this group of people. All he cared about was this sinner who needed a Savior. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well... And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, I love this, If thou knewest the gift of God, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. 
But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water. Give me this water. That's what I'm looking for. That I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Uh oh. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I, per I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worship. Isn't it amazing how she just got religious all of a sudden? Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true... true how many of y'all want to be a true worshiper? The true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, everybody say it. I am he. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your blessings and your kindness. Lord, thank you for the crowd that's here tonight to study and to learn and to grow. Please help us today. You know how much we need you. You know how much I desperately need the Holy Spirit to guide my mind and my thoughts. And, Lord, help us to stay in the book tonight and focused in your word. I pray your perfect will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> let's let's do a, a, brief, a brief review from where we... We're at last last week. We 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 found out that Jesus has been on a hike, uh, a, a pretty good pretty good walk, a pretty good journey, and he's tired. He's wore out. He's weary. He is resting at a well. He's he's here on purpose. Uh, this is not an accident that he happens to be here. I believe he's been led here by the Holy Spirit. He's been led here by his Father. And, uh, and, and now he is here, and he's going to take advantage of an opportunity to witness. He's going to take advantage of an opportunity to reach a lost soul. Uh, he has to do some things. He has to do some things. He has to send his disciples away. Uh, he has to get them all away. You remember what we said? It doesn't take 12 disciples to get a sandwich. Are you all with me? Uh, but he has to get rid of them because they're going to they're gonna be a hindrance. They're going to be a problem because he knows that they are not quite where they need to be. Some of them were prejudiced. Some of them had issues. They couldn't believe she, she was even, he was even talking to this woman. So he, he has to get them out of the way, and, and now he, he is prepared to uh, uh, deal with this woman and help this woman. We even talked about how this is, a, this is a, a completely opposite type person that we dealt with in chapter 3. In chapter 3, we find Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious guy. Nicodemus was a good guy. He was a good, moral, upstanding person. He was a seeker. He was looking for salvation. He was looking for God. He was looking for truth. Uh, uh, everything, everything that he was, she wasn't. She was an outcast, 
uh, because of the animosity between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people. Uh, they wouldn't spit on each other if they was on fire. They would not even cross on the same side of the street. They hated each other. There was so much cultural animosity between this group of people. Not only was there a, she a cultural outcast, she was a very immoral person. Uh, she had had five husbands and, and was, was living in adultery with the one that she was with then. Uh, and, and probably, most likely, because of her behavior and her lifestyle, it caused the other divorces. And so this woman, was, was an, uh, she was, uh, uh, had a bad reputation. She comes to the well when nobody else is there, probably because of the stigma, probably because of the shame, probably because of the ridicule, probably because she didn't want to go there when the other women went there. Are y'all with me? She's coming in the heat of the day. She's coming in the middle of the day when, when nobody was there. Not only that, but it was, it's a great possibility that this particular well was not even the closest to the city. So she is going out of her way to stay away from people. Are y'all with me? She's going out of her way to stay away from people. But she happens to run into an important person. Listen, it's amazing how sometimes in life we can be running and run right into Jesus. Because Jesus has a way of getting in our path, amen? And so here's, the, here's what Jesus does. Now this is the extra stuff. I just, just, just write this if you want to. If you don't want to write it, it don't matter. Uh, but here's, here's, how Jesus, here's how Jesus deals with someone he's trying to win. This is Jesus. In other words, if you want to put it this way, this is Jesus' soul winning method. And we can learn a lot from it. Because I'm telling you, there have been many well-meaning people have run more people away from Jesus than run people to Jesus. We, we can get a little goofy in our methods. We can, and there's a, reason, there's a reason that most of the world thinks that most Christians are hypocritical and mean-spirited. Are y'all with me? And I'll explain that in a minute. But first, look in verse, verse number 10. Verse number 10, this is the way Jesus begins this. And by the way, by the way, he begins with the physical before he gets to the spiritual. He uses something that's an everyday deal to get to uh, tra transition the, the, the conversation over to something spiritual. In other words, he said, man, I need something to drink. He confronts her. He takes the initiative and speaks to her first. I need something to drink. That's every day. That's just water. That's, that's, just, that's just a physical need. That's not, there's nothing supernatural about that, nothing spiritual about that. That is a physical deal. And, and so here, here we have, he initiates the conversation. She's kind of perplexed. She, she, can't, she can't believe this because, uh, you know, he says, Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And if you remember last week, we, if you study that phrase out, they won't eat after them. They won't use the same utensils after them. So she knows there's something. Uh, uh, in other words, in other words, she says, all right, what is it? What are you doing? Because you, 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 don't, you don't talk to me, so what? And it's a, it's a great possibility she, she could have thought he had ulterior motives. So what are you, what are you even doing talking to me? And, and he responds with this. <clears throat> he responds with this. If you know who you were talking to, and if you understood the gift of God, you would be asking me for something to drink. 
So what did he do? He changed the conversation from physical to spiritual. And, and obviously, obviously, she is, she is, even though she's the exact opposite of Nicodemus, she had the same exact response as Nicodemus. When he is trying to talk spiritual, she's not understanding it, and she's thinking he's talking physical. You remember when Nicodemus, when Jesus said, you must be born again, and, he's th- and he is speaking spiritual, and he is thinking physical. How in the world can a man go back into his mother's womb and be born when he is old? He didn't get it. Well, she don't get it. So how in the world, how are you going to get, how are you going to offer me something to drink and you don't even have nothing to get nothing to drink with? And this well is deep. You you greater than the one that dug it? Y'all with me? But here's what Jesus, here's how Jesus initiated the conversation. This is, in other words, this is what Jesus started with. If thou knewest the gift of God, what's he doing? He's starting with mercy. He is offering grace. Do you realize the gospel is the gospel of grace? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. It's grace. He started with mercy. He started with grace. He said, boy, if you knew what God wanted to do for you, if you understood what God was preparing and what God had planned for you, he started with mercy and grace. But not us, not the modern-day Christian. We're hell, fire, and brimstone. We want to tell everybody why they're wrong and we're right. We want to criticize everybody and tell them why they're going to hell for what they're doing. Man, it's quiet, isn't it? Y'all remember? I got Facebook. I'm going to have about one more Wednesday night trip, and I'm going to be banned from everybody's Facebook. (laughs) Hello? It's amazing to me how we will treat lost people like they're saved people. Guess what, guys? Lost people do what lost people do. Jesus never criticized lost people for behaving like lost people. But he, oh, but he did them religious people. Amen? He started with grace. He started with mercy. Well, wouldn't it be a great thing if we could be known for grace and mercy? If we could be known for more for what we are for than what we are against? Now, now don't get me wrong. Y'all know me well enough. I'm against some stuff. I'm against all kinds. I'm just against everything. Amen? But I want to be known for what I'm for. And boy, Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the grace of God, if you knew the mercy of God, but then, then she says, okay, I'm in. I'm in. I'm all about it. Man, give me some of that water. Give me what you're talking about. I want to do that. I want to do that. And you know, she's still not getting it completely. She's still not getting it completely. But all she knows is there's something he's got that she wants. And this is what, this is what, This is what he says. All right, you want what I have? You want what I'm offering? This is what he says. Go get your husband. 
Now here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. He has to confront her sin. You say, preacher, but you just said, no, we start with grace. We start with mercy. We start with the gift of God. But then we deal with sin. He says, go get your husband. Oh, uh, that's going to be a problem. And, and by the way, by the way, <clears throat> uh, she don't really confess all the way. You notice that? She just says, uh, I ain't got one. Isn't that how we do it? God will come in our life. God will see something in our life, and he'll convict us, and he will challenge us, and we'll, 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 we'll only confess up to a point. And we'll only come to God with almost everything. But Jesus don't play that. Because if God's convicting you, he already knows everything. He said, you right. You right. You done had five. And the one you're shacking up with now don't belong to you. Right? Now you say, what, do you, is there any other biblical evidence? How about, how many of y'all remember, <clears throat> how many of y'all remember Jacob? Anybody remember Jacob? How many remember Jacob? Jacob, uh, there was a time in his life, in the younger years of his life, and by the way, the word Jacob, the name Jacob means surplanter, means trickster. And it represented his life. That's who he was. He was deceiving people all the time, tricking people all the time. One of the first people he tricked was his own father. He came to his own daddy. His own daddy had eyesight problems and was about half blind. And, and he came to his daddy and, uh, and he said, give me a blessing. Because, see, he wasn't the oldest, so he was going to try to steal the blessing uh, from his brother. And he comes to his daddy and, 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 and dresses up. And his mama helped him. His mama helped him. Said, put the, put the skin of the animal on your chest because he was fair-skinned. And his brother was a hairy fella. Are y'all with me? And, 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 and so he put, the, he put the fur on his arms and he put the fur on his chest. And he, he made the meal for his daddy because the, the, the agreement was that if Esau went out and fixed the meal, the venison that his daddy liked, he was going to bless him and, and, and put the blessing on him. And, and so uh, uh, his mother, Jacob's mother, uh, uh, worked around and helped him prepare something, and he tricked his dad. He said, Dad, he said, I've got the meal ready. He said, already? Already? You, you done hunting already? Because you know usually if you're hunting, they didn't have a 30 off 6 back then. Y'all with me? It was spear, arrows, and all that. It took a little bit to, he said, okay. He says, he says, uh, what, what, what's your name? What's your name? And he, and you remember his name's Jacob. He said, he said, my name's Esau. He said, come closer. Now remember his, his, his father's, his father's blind. And he, and he rushed, said, you know, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. And so he blessed him. He deceived his daddy. He said, give me a blessing. Give me a blessing. What is your name? He said, my name's Esau. But what was his name? Y'all know what happened. 
Boy, his brother is furious. He's going to kill him. His mama said, you got to get out of here. You got to hurry up and get out of here. Goes to his, 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 his kinfolk, and y'all know the story. Went to tricking his, his father-in-law, Laban. And anyway, you reap what you sow because he was tricked at his wedding. Wanted the, wanted the good-looking one got the ugly one. Say amen. Had to work seven more years. And don't look at me. The Bible says she's cockeyed. Amen. This is in the Bible. I'm just preaching the book, y'all. I'm preaching the book. I promise it's in there. Y'all don't believe me? Go look. You read what you sow. Amen. Now, now, I'm going somewhere. Shh, shh, watch this. He comes back. He comes back. And, and it's time to come home. And, and now he is, he is wrestling with the angel of God. Y'all with me? Y'all know when he stood up, he stayed up all night wrestling with God, wrestling with God. And you, you know what he's asking? The same thing he asked his daddy. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. And you know what? You know what he is asked? The same question. What is your name? Now, you got to understand, he's afraid because his, his brother's coming to kill him. Esau's coming. He's not coming. He's coming with a welcome party, all right, but they ain't bringing flowers. Y'all with me? He knows about it. He's scared. He's asking God to help him. He's asking God for a blessing. He's asking God to deliver him. And God says, what's your name? He said, my name is Esau. Or excuse me, my name is Jacob. What is he doing? He's making Jacob fess up. He's making, he's confronting Jacob and who he is. He says, I want to know your name. And what Jacob is saying, literally, spiritually, he's saying, I'm a deceiver. I am a supplanter. I've got to get real with this thing. I am Jacob. And at that moment, God said, no longer now you're Israel, which means a prince with God. What's the point? When I was a kid, when I was a kid, uh, uh, Y'all, 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 y'all know that sometimes when, when you grow up in church and, and when you're a little kid, you don't really understand salvation that much and, a, and an evangelist comes and preaches on hell and scares it out of you. You go and you make a profession. You do whatever you have to do. Are y'all with me? And it may be a, a fear factor, but not a faith factor. And later on as I grew up, and, and I was still a young person, but, but man, I, God was convicting me. And it wasn't about fear. It wasn't about being afraid of hell. It was about conviction of my sin. And boy, I'd lay in my bed at night. I'd lay in my bed at night, and, 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 and God would be convicting me. And this was my prayer. This is my prayer. Oh, God. Oh, God, if I'm, sa- if I'm lost, go ahead and save me. <clears throat> if I'm lost, go ahead and save me. Man, I was afraid if I'd fall out of that bed, I'd fall right into hell. Man, I grew up in Hellfire and Brimstone Church. I'm telling you, I, believe, I believed in God way before I got saved. I believed in hell. I believed in Jesus. I believed in all of it. And I'm telling you, I'd lay in my bed and I'd say, God, if, if I'm lost, Lord, if I'm lost, please save me. Please save me if I'm lost. Y'all see a problem with that? And I had to come to the place that I said, God, I am lost. I had to get real. He had to confront. There wasn't no if about it. There wasn't no maybe about it. God, I am lost. I am in need of you. Boy, at that moment, when I confessed that and I got real and I was confronted, I trusted Christ as my Savior. Listen, ain't no if. 
You don't come to God. You come to God and you fess up. Listen, this, is, this woman, he had to deal with her sin. So go get your husband. I don't have any. She had to fess up. Now, thirdly, thirdly, how, what did he do after that? He clarifies. He clarifies true religion and introduces himself. Look in verse 21. <clears throat> well, let's go back to the question. This woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And, and by the way, this, this is something a lot of times when we're looking at personal evangelism, personal soul winning, Jesus confronts her with her sin. She automatically tries to change the subject. Did y'all notice that? She automatically tries to get off of what is uncomfortable for her. And that's a natural response. That's a natural human response. How many of y'all know conviction don't feel too good? And so she begins to talk about religion. She begins to talk because that's the, that's the great fallback for humanity. We want to talk about the rules and we want to talk about religion, our tradition. And he says, listen, uh, you know, our, our tradition and our, our fathers say that we're supposed to worship in this mountain. Because if you remember the Samaritans, they built their own temple, which was a different temple. It was a different temple than what they had in Jerusalem. And they said, you say that, we say this, what, what? And Jesus says, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The hour is come and now is that they're neither going to worship in this mountain, Mount Gerizim, where in Samaria, or in Jerusalem. It's not going to be about where. It's going to be about how and who. Y'all with me? It's not going to be about where. It's going to be how and who. He said this, the time is coming and now is that if you're going to worship the Father, you're going to have to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, the, that, 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 that word spirit is a little S. That is not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the human spirit. It is about your spirit. It's about the spirit that has to be born again. You remember how we studied this in Nicodemus's chapter, in chapter number 3? It's not your body. It's not your soul. It's your spirit. Your body, your soul, and spirit. When man was created in the garden, he was created a trichotomy, a body, soul, and spirit. When man sinned, his spirit died. Soul can never die. Man, God breathed into man the breath of life, and he became a living soul, which means never dying. Your soul will exist forever and ever and ever, either in heaven or hell. It will never die. He didn't physically die. He lived to be over 900 years old. What died in Adam? His spirit. That that connected him with God. And what Jesus is saying here, true religion, true salvation, true conversion is when the spirit is reborn and the spirit is connected with God. And if you're going to worship God, you're going to worship God in your spirit. Your spirit. Do you know something can touch your soul but not stir your spirit? I, I can sit, I can sit, I don't care where I am. I was sitting in the graduation the other day, Wallace State. And, and, and this trio, this trio got to singing the Star Spangled Banner and I was crying like a baby. My soul was stirred. Y'all with me? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You can see something. You can hear something. Uh, you, somebody can sing a song that made you think of Paul Paul, and, you know, here we go. And it's not your spirit, but your soul that's stirred. And there's a problem in, in, in many churches because people don't know the difference between soul and spirit. 
Do you know the only thing that will stir your spirit is truth? Truth. There's a lot of entertainment today in churches. There's a lot of soul stirring. There's a lot of emotions going, and, and people think if you're in a, this big emotional experience, but if it's not truth, it's not your spirit. Because the only thing that will stir your spirit is the truth of God's Word. And the only thing that God is looking for is real worshipers, and that's worshipers that are worshiping in spirit and in truth. True worship will always be focused on the person of Christ. Always. Not on the person leading the worship. Not on the person singing the song. Not on the person leading the prayer. But on the one they're singing to or praying to. Say amen. And so he clarifies what real salvation is. He said, you don't even know what, you don't, you don't even know what you're worshiping. Say, so we know what we're worshiping. Salvation is of the Jews. Three things we got from the Jewish people. Our scriptures, our Savior, and our salvation. All through the Jewish people. And Jesus is saying, listen, it's, it, it, things are changing. It's not about going to a temple anymore. Your body is going to become the temple of God. The Holy Spirit's going to come in you. And it's not about being in a sacred building. This is just a building. This is just carpet. These are just chairs. You are the temple. And you house the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? So he's clarifying all of this. Now, she did have something right. <clears throat> she did have something right. She heard that there was a Messiah coming. And she's now when he gets here, he's going to tell us all things. And I'm pretty sure she already had an idea. And Jesus said, yep, that's me. That's me. He introduces himself to this sinner and boy does she change this is let me give you three things that i see in this <clears throat> about about evidence of conversion <clears throat> evidence of conversion some is symbolic <clears throat> if you will some is literal uh one thing that i see one thing that i see look at look in verse number let's see Look in verse number 27. <clears throat> it says, Upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman, verse 28, y'all ready? The woman then, she did what? What was she leave? Her water pot. Her water pot represented her burden. Her burden. You know what happens at the point of salvation? We shed our burden. <laughs> I heard a preacher say it this way. This is really good. She, she, she left her water pot because she walked off with the well. That dog will hunt right there, amen? She didn't need the pot anymore because she had the well, amen? That's good stuff. I could preach. I could hunker down right there in a minute, but we're not going to. We got an outline to get to, Amen? She shed her burden. She came, she came burdened. She, she came carrying something that weighed her down. She came in the middle of the day. She came to avoid people. She came in a way because she was ashamed. 
because possibly she felt guilty, possibly she felt embarrassed. But this symbolically shows when you get saved, you shed your burden. Period. Period. You're not the same anymore. You're different. God looks at you. The, 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 the spiritual term, if you want to get doctrinal, is called justified. The moment you're saved, you are justified. You stand justified in the presence of God the Father. Justified literally means just if I'd never sinned. The moment you come to Christ, the moment you believe in Christ, God the Father imputes to your account the righteousness of His Son. So when He sees you, He sees His Son. When He sees you, He doesn't see your past. He doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see your past wickedness. He doesn't see the things you did before. All He sees is the blood of His Son and the sacrifice of Calvary on somebody say man. What evidence did this woman show? She shed her burden. She shed her burden. Secondly, secondly, look what it says. <clears throat> it says in verse number, actually two verses. It says in verse number 29, or verse 28, She left her water pot, went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Now, now, watch this. Look in, in, in verse number, verse 39, verse 39. Are you there? Hurry, 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 hurry. 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which, what's that word? Which what? Testified. He told me all that ever I did. Many believed because of her testimony. What'd she do? She not only shared her burden, number two, she shared her testimony. She shared her testimony. And what was that? What was her testimony? What was her testimony? Many people think they don't have a testimony. You do. If you're saved, you got one. Now, yours might be different than your brother's or your sister, or the one in the front of you or behind you. It may be different, but you got one. Say, so what is my testimony? Do I have to know all the Bible? Do I have to know the Romans road? Do I have to know tons of verses? Oh, no. All you got to remember is what was your experience with Jesus? What was your experience with Jesus? Peter's testimony was different than Matthew's testimony. Peter's testimony was different than Paul's testimony. Nobody had a testimony like Paul. Paul was riding on a donkey and got slapped off of it. Say amen. Y'all with me? He had a different experience, but it was his testimony. Everybody has a testimony. Zacchaeus had a testimony. The Philippian jailer had a testimony. Uh, Philip had a testimony. Somebody say amen. All you got to know is what Jesus did for you. I, is Travis in the house? Travis in the house? Uh, uh, is that you back there, Travis? All right. I, I, I love that part that you told your daddy about witnessing to his friend. Just tell him what Jesus has done for you. That's all you got to do. You don't have to know the Romans wrote. It helps. Wouldn't hurt nothing. And everybody, everybody ought to know some verses to help somebody. But even if you don't, you can still have a testimony. Just tell what Jesus did for you. How many of y'all remember the demoniac? 
the demoniac from Gadara. He gets saved. He gets redeemed. God just changes his life. He is sitting clothed in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. Everything's changed in his life. Jesus goes to go away, and he wants to go with Jesus, which is very admirable. But Jesus said, hey, listen, I need you to go back to your family. I need you to go back to your friends and tell them what good things God's done for you. You know what he said? Just go tell them about your experience with Jesus. You know what she did? She just told him about her experience with Jesus. And guess what? It was a success. Isn't that amazing? We read what she said. Now, and she won more people than the disciples did. Y'all with me? Listen, there's an evidence of conversion. There's an evidence of conversion. If you don't want to ever tell anybody about what Jesus did for you, you might want to check up what Jesus did for you. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if nobody leave here. If I don't witness people, I'm not saved. That ain't what I'm saying. I know what it means to be shy, and I know what it means to be nervous and all that kind of thing. And, 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 and listen, I, I, I'm not going to go in the middle of town, jump up on a soapbox and say, you know, start preaching, and that's just not my thing. I, I, I get nervous every time I witness, every time I witness. And it's a fight, and it's a struggle, and the devil tries to, you know, make you scared and all that kind of stuff. I get all that, but you'll want to. You'll want to tell what God's done for you. She, she shared her burden. She shared her testimony. And then thirdly, thirdly, here's something else. She showed her change. She showed that she was changed. She's different. The Bible says this, if any man be in Christ, he is a, everybody say it, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. You say, preacher, what do you mean, where do you see this at? Where do you see a change at? Well, I'll tell you this, she comes in the middle of the day, she comes when nobody's there, she comes to avoid everybody, but then when she left Jesus, she went hunting people. Now, I don't know about y'all. But that's a change. That's different. She comes, listen, she comes when nobody's there. She comes to a well that's even further away from town. She goes out of her way to stay away from people. But boy, when she left Jesus, when she shared her burden, she went hunting people down to tell them about what she had found. Church, what am I saying? I'm saying this woman's converted. And and she was successful in her testimony because half the town believed because of her testimony. And all God's people say it. Now, we saw what Jesus did and how Jesus did it. He started with grace. He confronted sin. He explained salvation and and true religion. And and then we see a change in her and a difference in her and, and the response that she had when she believed in Jesus and And now, let's get to the disciples. Let's get to our outline. About the time, about the time that Jesus is getting through uh, with her, she goes to leave, and about the time she goes to leave, there come the disciples. All right? I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to try to just save some time. Just trust me on it. You go read it at home. I'm telling you God's truth. This is what happened. All right? She's leaving while they are coming back. And, and they are close enough to see Jesus having a conversation with this woman. Are y'all with me? Now, 
Here is, and by the way, by the way, the more I study this and the more I look at this, I, I was just kind of confounded uh, today on how human them disciples were. And how much like us they are. They're just regular folk, man. They have issues. They don't have it all together. I mean, they're just a hot mess. Say amen. Don't, don't just, they just mess up everything. And, and now, you know, here they are. They just, they just focus and, and then they got some food for Jesus. And, and what, what's he, who, who's that? I wonder what he's talking to her about. Man, that's a Samaritan woman. Man, she, she don't look like no Sunday school child. Huh. But they did have enough sense not to say nothing to Jesus about it. Y'all with me? So they get back. But see, here's the problem. Jesus knows what you're thinking. Amen. Yeah, go ahead. They come back and they say, hey, we got you a sandwich. He says, I tell you what, boys, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And they get to look at each other because, see, they're thinking physical too. It's, it's amazing how, how this, this fight we have between the spiritual and the physical. Well, who brought him something to eat? He sent us all the way into town to get something to eat, and then somebody done brought him something. Who brought you something to eat? They, they're not getting it. Look what it says. Look what it says. Jesus is to get real with them. He says, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciple one to another, Hath any man brought him all to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to, come on everybody, and to finish his work. Now watch this. Look at your outline. Number one, I want you to see the modern church. I want you to see the modern church. The disciples, you know, Jesus represents the soul winner. Uh, uh, this, this woman represents the sinner. But then these disciples, they really in this story, they, they, they are a, a, an epitome of the modern church. All right? These disciples, these disciples, see, ain't no sense in getting in a hurry. You're just going to get wet when you leave here anyway. <laughs> Amen? All right? These disciples, they're supposed to be in Bible college. Right? They're being trained. They're being discipled. I mean, they're being trained by the discipler. Jesus is training these men to, to, to run the church and, and build the church when he leaves. I mean, they are the foundation. Are y'all with me? He's going to use these people to kick off the church and, 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 and Christianity from that point on. I mean, these guys were important. So, so if anybody, they've been spending time with Jesus. They've been hearing Jesus teach. They've been hearing Jesus lead. They've been led and taught by Jesus himself, seen miracles that Jesus did, and they're understanding what Jesus is trying to do in his response with sinners. And so Jesus sends them into town to get something to eat. But they had a bigger responsibility that we all have. So, preacher, I'm not a preacher. I'm a plumber. You're a Christian first. You plumb so you can proclaim. But preacher, I'm a painter. You paint so you can proclaim. 
We are the salt and the light of the earth. First. First. That's where we've got this whole thing messed up. Christianity is a side thing for us. Christianity is what we do in our spare time. Christianity is something that we do if we have some time left over, if we have some money left over, if we have something that we're not too busy with. We may pray. We may get our Bible. We even may get to church. Maybe if I don't have nothing else more important to do, that's Christianity in the modern church. God is not a priority. Our Christian walk and our Christian faith and the responsibility we have as God's children and Christians and soldiers for the, for the cause of Christ, it's not a priority today. Just like these disciples. Look at this, write this down. They were, they were misdirected in their focus. They were misdirected in their focus. Write that down. <clears throat> they were misdirected in their focus. So preacher, what are you talking about? It was directed inward. Their focus was on themselves. Now, how many of y'all, how many of y'all believe there were some Samaritans that didn't know Jesus? So let's put it this way. There were some Samaritans that were lost. Now, what was the disciples supposed to do? Reflect people to Jesus. Point people to Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus. We're ambassadors of Jesus. We're here to tell you about the Messiah. And, and, and now watch this. And they got it right somewhat in the beginning. He first findeth his own brother and said, we found the Messiah. How many of y'all know that we as Christians can start off real good, but just mess up after that? Man, they, they found, they run into Jesus, and Jesus tells them stuff, and they believe in Jesus, and they go find their brother, and now their brother's in, and now we're good. So now we go into a city that's full of lost people, that's full of people who need Jesus, that's full of, I mean, just bunches of opportunity, and the only thing we can see is salami. What are you you talking about? All they come back with was food. Because their focus was on themselves. Jesus' focus was on the sinner. The disciples' focus was on themselves. It was inwardly, say that with me, it was inwardly directed. Do you know a church will go through a life cycle? How many of y'all know that? How many of y'all been in church more than 20 years than you've experienced it? You've seen a church in the very beginning when a church is young and a church is vibrant and a church is exciting. They're all about reaching people and going out and passing out tracts and inviting and inviting and inviting. And there's a, there's a fervor, that, so there's a love for sinners and, and wanting to build and grow. And then when they get something established and they get a, a, a little maturity and development and, they, and then they have the ability to have some resources and stuff, then they start to even out a little bit and, they, and there's not such a drive and a, and a desire and a zeal to go and then and then all of a sudden we get a little bit older and and now we we totally change our mentality we we start to we start to want the preacher just to minister to us 
Hey, hey, marry our children and bury our dead and be here to wipe our nose when it's running. We don't, we don't want other people using our stuff and we don't want other people using our building. This is ours. Come minister to us. We just want somebody to come take care of us. You know what it is? It's inwardly focused. When a church turns inwardly focused, that's the beginning of death. Because when it's inwardly focused, all it does is grow old and die then. Because you're not focusing on the lost. You're not focusing on the needy. You're not focusing on the community and reaching out. You're just trying to keep what you got. And then when the young people leave because there's no life, you get angry at the church that gets them. Because you ain't really focused. And because of the focus of your direction, the focus of your concentration, watch this. Not only was it directed inward, it determined their influence. It determined their influence because they were only focused on themselves. So how did it determine their influence? They didn't have any. What do you mean? What do you mean? How many people, how many people came to Jesus because of them? I'm waiting. Who knew Jesus better, them or the Samaritan woman? Tell me that's not the modern church. We get satisfied. We're in, our kids are saved, our grandchildren, are, we're, 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 so we're good. We, we are just like, when I say we, I'm talking to modern church. Prayerfully, with God's help, temple will never get there. But the modern church has become like the church of Ephesus. He said, man, you're, you're laboring hard. You're not putting up with sin. You're doing this, you're doing that. He said, but you've left your first love. You see, Ephesus used to be a soul winning on fire for Jesus. I mean, going at it because they loved people and they loved Jesus. And they, listen, they were doing what they were doing because they had affection and they, 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 they loved sinners. But they had regressed from that. They were still doing it. They were still preaching. They were still teaching. They were still reaching. They were still doing the stuff they were supposed to be doing. But they were doing it for the wrong reason. Their motivation had changed. Now they're doing it because they're supposed to. Now they're doing it because nobody else will. They're doing it out of obligation and not appreciation. Somebody say amen. And the reason Jesus is so concerned about that because when your motivation changes to the wrong thing, it won't be long. You're not going to do nothing anymore. I'm telling you, when you do stuff out of love, you'll keep doing it. When it gets hard, you'll keep doing it. When it gets tough, you'll keep doing it. When it gets expensive, you'll keep doing it. But when you do stuff out of obligation, it won't be long. You won't be doing it. This ain't in the notes, but we're here, so let's just deal with it. Am I right? They were so inwardly focused. They were around such a, a, a vast group of people, and all they could think about was their physical need. Listen, look at the second thing. They, 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 they had a misdirected focus. Then B, it calls... Their misdirected focus calls B a ministry failure. 
ministry failure. What did they fail to do? They failed to adapt to the culture. They failed to adapt to the culture. And what does that mean? It, it, it just basically means that uh, they held their tradition over their responsibility. Now, at least they did go buy food from the Samaritans. So they thought they were really, you know, yeah, we're not like them other people. We bought food from them. Yeah, but you didn't tell them about Jesus. It's amazing. We, we will love people that's not like us, but, but you won't bring them to church. We will help them out there, but will you let them sit beside you in church? Boy, it's getting real tonight, isn't it? Not one single person did they bring to Jesus. And watch what happened. And see, I know this is right because when they get back, they, do you see what he's doing? What's he doing talking to her? You know why they were amazed that he was talking to her? Because he was doing something they wouldn't. You know why people would run around and talk about the riffraff going in the temple? Because they're not willing to reach him. That's the, that's the bottom line. Everybody will criticize what they're not willing to do. Well, I don't like y'all doing that. Y'all remember what I said? I don't like the way you're not doing that. So we can go all night with this. Are y'all with me? He comes back, and Jesus confronts it, buddy. Jesus does not like it. What, we're, we, we got you something to eat. He said, I got meat to eat you know not of. Well, who in the world brought you? He said, you don't even understand. You don't get it. Look what he says. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> all right, look at number two. Look at number two. Not only do we see the modern church, but let's look at the missional Christ. Say that word with me. The, the first word. Say it again. The, what does that mean? Our church has to always and forevermore be missional. What does that mean? Outwardly focused. Outwardly focused. Let me, can I, can I be real for about four minutes and 24 seconds? <clears throat> let me, let me, let me explain what that means. Uh, if you have to change your music a little bit to reach the unchurched, are you willing to do it? I don't answer. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, this is, this is, I'm just saying this. So don't, don't answer this. All right, if, if it takes changing a little bit of the culture and the style of your worship, are you willing to do that? You see, that's what's not... I, there's a church in Jacksonville right now. A church in Jacksonville right, right now. Their church, their church is in the middle of a pile of people. But what has happened over time, the pile of people that they are in the middle of now are different than the group that's in the building. Y'all with me? 
So instead of changing a style in a, a method of reaching to what it would take to catch the fish that's in the pond with them, we sell the building and go over to the people that's like the people in the building. Y'all with me? Well, they're going to come to our church. They're going to like what we like. So where's your focus? There's, there's stuff going on today called worship wars. Worship war, fighting over this, fighting over that. I, I got buddies of mine, I got buddies of mine posting, you know, just posting on Facebook, bless God, if you don't have the red back hymnal and, and, and you know, can't do this with screens on the wall. And just stupid junk. It's not right if you don't use this. It's not right if you use this. It's not. And you know what they're saying? If you don't like what we're doing, you can go to hell. That's what they're saying. And I mean literally. Literally. Because if you don't like how we do it and you don't want to change to how we do it and how we prefer it, it's more about taking care of the aquarium than going fishing. I, I challenge you to study J. Hudson Taylor. Listen, unbelievable unbelievable missionary who was ostracized by the mission boards because he went to China <clears throat> went to China he learned the culture he learned the customs he learned the way they ate he learned the way they 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 lived he learned the way they dressed it is said that he shaved his head everything but a ponytail in the back and he was called a savage because he became like the people he was trying to reach to be able to give them the gospel. But what happens is we get inwardly focused. And if you're not just like me, it's amazing. We will just adjust right to wherever we are. And it's right because we did it. And if you don't do it like I do it, then you ain't right. This world is a big place, y'all. Brother Jeff was telling me, Brother Jeff was telling me about the refugee camp in Kenya. He said, he said you cannot even fathom, you cannot even fathom that a place like that would exist on the planet. Just the worst living conditions you could ever imagine. 800,000 people in this camp. There's 80,000 people in Coleman, by the way. 800,000 people. And he said, today, in our, in our place, kids want candy and they want toys. You know what the kids want over there? A bottle of water. He said, man, they would get together and they would sing in their own language. He said, it's different than what we do. It's different than how we do it. He said, but them people love God and they were singing to God and they were thankful that they were saved. They didn't have nothing. And it's not like we do. 
And it's amazing that we have American missionaries that, that, that have an Americanized form of Christianity and they take it to a foreign land and try to make Americanized Christians out of them. And then, and then you've got some, then you've got some that, that have enough sense to know that if you go to China, you got to, you got to learn the language, learn the culture, adapt to it so you could give them the gospel. And, and they're all about that. But you let a guy do it here in the United States, and he's a liberal. You know why? Their focus is messed up. Their focus is about themselves. It's what I want. It's what I like. We get angry about things like parking. I don't know why i got to park somewhere else. I've been tithing this church 30 years. Make me park in the back? Yeah. I don't have no parking spot. I park in the mud as far away as this building can go. I'll park farther than anybody every Sunday. You know why? I want a lost person to have that good one. Because I want them to come back. I want that lost person to have the good seating. Because I want them to get saved. If, 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 if we, and by the way, I love, I, I love everything that we do. I have my preference. My preference is a little different. And we sing a little different stuff than that I grew up with, and that, that you know. But you know what? Hey, if it reaches these kids, and these young people, and these lost people, I'm all about it. Because getting them into heaven is more important than me having what I want. Where's your focus? Now, I'm. I'm listen. I, I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight because you know people on Wednesday nights you're dedicated. You just stayed home. And it, and it seems like I'm preaching at you. I, I know y'all are all, everybody here is for this. I'm just, I'm just preaching this chapter. This is preventative medicine. Because the longer we're saved, we're going to have a tendency to become this. And we have to guard ourselves from becoming satisfied and never begin to be inwardly focused. And all God's people say it. Listen, let me, let, me, let me give you something else. Because of Jesus had a source of fulfillment. Jesus had a source of fulfillment. He says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. There's something that fulfills me that you don't even understand. Accomplishing the will of my Father, seeing someone saved, that's more important to me than a sandwich. <clears throat> Souls being one. There's a source of fulfillment, but then there's a scope of his focus. Look at, look at the second thing. The scope of his focus. Look what he was focused on. Look in verse 34. Jesus saith unto them, my meat, in other words, what fulfills me, what brings me joy, what brings me happiness, is to do the of that sent me and to, everybody say it, and to, he said, my goal in life, what makes me the happiest is when I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm telling you, if, if, if some of these churches that are dying, and they know they're dying, but they're still not willing to change or adjust, if they would just understand seeing people walk the aisle and fall on their knees and accepting Christ as their Savior, brings much more joy than getting to hear the song I want to hear. And let me say this, and if it don't, 
Something's wrong. If, if that is not what brings us the most joy, then this is, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? This is what's happening. We're being entertained and not edified. John Piper said this, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. What's the ultimate responsibility of a Christian, a child of God? To glorify the Father. And all God's people say it. You know, I kind of looked at that clock wrong. Uh, I thought I had five minutes left, but I'm five minutes overtime. That's what that minus is, isn't it? Okay. So. All right. I thought, man, I don't know what happened. They had three, and now I got five. We good. I'm growing time. <laughs> All right, let me say this. Let me say this before we, before we close. The last, thing, the last thing is this. Jesus said, look, guys. Look, guys, you've got to get this part. I know we're over time, but you've got to get this. Jesus is talking to him. He's trying to explain it. Look, man, it's not about the sandwich. It's about winning people. I'm here to seek and to save that. You remember uh, last week when we went all those verses about Jesus seeking and saving that which was lost? Y'all remember that? Now, now, here we are. He said, look, man, it's about seeing this, this girl saved, man. This, she, she, she's saving him. And he said, now look. And they turn around and look. Because see what had happened, she went back into town and told everybody, man, you got to come see this. What she do? She shared her experience. She shared her testimony. And guess what they did? They came. Now watch what Jesus said. Lift up your eyes. Look. Look, guys. Look. Here all these people are coming to Jesus. Look. Lift up your eyes. The fields are wide and the harvest. You know what he's saying? It's basically a rebuke. I sent you into that town. You didn't bring nobody back. Matter of fact, all these people were ready. They were ready. And I, What did he say? He told them, I sent you to, to labor where somebody's already done the work. I sent you to harvest to reap where somebody else had done, done the sowing and the planting. And the, Are you all with me? You know what Jesus is basically saying? I believe he may have pointed one finger at that sandwich. He said, guys, it's not about this. It's about that. Lift up your eyes. The fields are wide in the harvest. Guys, that's where the reward's going to be. The reward is not going to be in getting what we want and satisfying our physical desires and flesh. The reward is going to be when we bring in the harvest. Amen? Amen. Amen. Anyway, so much for that. <laughs> let's stand, let's stand. Now, this means y'all got to run and get your children and say the weather held y'all up. <clears throat> <laughs> Amen. All right. Lord.